Welcome back to the Dance Coach Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Hale. And today, we're doing a really fun little departure from the regular format. Today is going to be a Q&A session. So I've reached out to you guys out in the world and the interwebs and Instagram and Facebook and dance teacher networks and all the things. And I've compiled some questions and Today, that's what we're going to do. We're going to look at some of your questions. If I don't get to everything today, um, I will answer them at some point, maybe in a future episode. Keep the questions rolling in. I love interacting with you guys, and I love getting the opportunity to know what's going on in your world and what you're struggling with and what you would like to talk about. So our first question here is, Something I know that a lot of us are working around right now and trying to figure out, like, what do we do? (laughs) And um, that is teaching on Zoom. So the question is, how are you mitigating injury prevention via Zoom, especially with 12-year-olds who don't know their placement or good versus bad pain as thoroughly yet? I know that a lot of people are struggling with this because we just want to, like, do our hands-on correction And I've already said that I think one of the things that has been most um, rewarding about this time is getting better at queuing. And so I, first of all, just take this as an opportunity to strengthen my queuing in terms of how I want my dancers to think about the way they're executing movement. So that's the way I'm looking at it in terms of what um, I'm doing for myself. The second part of this, though, is that there is an assumption in this question that we actually can mitigate injury um, for our students, right? Like, we actually can't prevent our students from getting injured, right? The only person that we have control over is ourselves, and we can't necessarily even prevent ourselves from getting injured, right? Some injuries are just like full-on accidents, So to think that um, we have this ability to prevent injury is really, doesn't really always serve us. Dancing is one of those things that is a physical activity where injury is almost guaranteed. I understand the question. It's like, how are we making this as safe as possible? I want to make sure that, you know, I'm doing everything in my power. I hope you guys have a great day. Bye. But... When we think that we have control over whether or not someone else gets injured, we put a little bit too much pressure on ourselves. So it's all about the way that we think about it. We are not any more responsible for whether or not a student gets injured, whether we are in the room with them or whether we're on Zoom with them. I've said this before. It's like I can be in the room and think I have control over my room and then like an eight-year-old is doing cartwheels in the corner. I can't do anything about that if that eight-year-old falls on their head and gets concussion if, you know, I'm not seeing it at the moment, right? I don't have 100% control over my classroom because I don't have control over other people's actions, right? So the best that we can do in any situation, whether we're in the room or not, is tell students what our expectation is for how they should be executing things, right? And if that means slowing down and making sure they understand placement, 
and everyone has to go back and we have to do a whole lesson about placement that day, right? Because we're noticing that some of the things that are coming up um, that we know might lead to injury, like not having their knees over their toes, for instance, in any kind of a plie. If we are seeing across the board that the class is having an issue with this, then I would stop and I would do a whole moment on talking about placement and making sure they understand the placement that I'm asking them to work on and work in, right? So that's one of the ways that I would do it. Give yourself permission to not have to get through your entire class plan. I think that's a really important thing for all of us right now. It's like if you're trying to go in and just teach a class like you normally would and keep it running smoothly and all the things that you have, that might not be possible, right? Some days we end up on a tangent about something, whether we're in the room with them or not, but getting them to slow down and really understand what you're talking about, this is a great opportunity for that. I feel like this is actually a great opportunity to to go in and clean up some of the basic things that maybe we have been pushing off, right? Because we're trying to get them to an, an, another place, right? And we're pushing growth. Maybe this is a time to go back and clean some of that stuff up. And in terms of good pain versus bad pain, I mean, I'm not sure when kids ever really thoroughly understand that. I have ongoing conversations with all my students about this of like, okay, let's talk about pain. We have to like reframe what that even is. Um, Is it the discomfort of working hard? Is it burning, right? Like, do you feel muscle fatigue? Um, Is it sharp? Is it shooting? So that might be another conversation to have. Um, And then in any in any moment, whether I'm in the room with them or not, I I'm not inside their body. So there's no way that I can possibly know what is going on with them past what they explained to me. So it really is about like agency and having them advocate for what's actually going on with them. So this is when, you know, whether we're in the room or not, I just really make them decide what's going on in their own body and whether or not it's something that needs to be addressed or it's something that's just a result of working hard and they can work through it. I have to do that anyway, right? Whether I'm on Zoom or I'm in the room. So That's kind of the way I think about that whole situation. Take some of the responsibility off yourself. You are not the one that's really helping prevent injury for them. They're the ones that are in charge of injury prevention in their own bodies. That saying of you can lead a horse to water is like entirely true, but we don't like it, right? We don't like to think that we don't have control over helping our students not get injured. But the truth of the matter is, is we really have limited control over every person in the world, no matter whether they're in our room, they're not in our room, they are student or not. So take a little bit of that pressure off yourself, right? And just keep doing what comes up for you. Yeah. I think I mentioned last week about like having my students do their own hands-on corrections, right? That's another way to help them gain awareness around what's going on in their own bodies so that when you do have a lesson on placement, then they might be able to get a little bit more out of it thus helping to ensure that they're working a little bit safer. The other issue with this is the surfaces that they're dancing on, and we have no control over the surfaces that they're dancing on. But I do know that like, if we're doing like jumps like Petite Allegro in a ballet class, I will talk to them about the surface that they're on, right? If they're on a concrete floor in their basement, 
they might want to like not jump as high or do all the jumps terra terra, which means like ground to ground, meaning they're hardly leaving the floor. And that allows them to keep their joints a little bit softer so that they're not like getting full impact from landing on a hard surface. Um, but, you know, if they're competitive kids, then like they dance on concrete every weekend. So, you know, that's also like we, you know, we don't think much about that when we're going to convention because it's not happening all the time. And this might be a situation where they're dancing more regularly on a surface that's not so friendly. But again, we don't have a lot of control over that. So all we can do is offer suggestions to them. And then if they take them, great. If they don't, we have to move on. Okay. Next question. How can we help our students manage disappointment during this time? For my studio in particular, quarantine started exactly one week before our first competition, so they didn't get to compete even once. I'm especially struggling with my 11th and 12th graders. They are working hard, but I think that they are struggling to get past the hump of missing out on some of their final moments of dance with their team. So there are two things here. One is... I'm especially struggling with my 12th and 11th and 12th graders. They are working hard, but I think they are struggling to get past the hump of missing out on some of their final moments of dance with their team. So that's just a thought, right? Um, in the work that I do, it's all about thought work. It's all about understanding that the circumstance is never the reason why we're upset about something or why we have a feeling about something. It's always our thoughts about the situation. And we make, we make up a lot of stuff, right? We make up stories around circumstances and then we tell ourselves that that's true. And then that causes a lot of pain for us, right? So the idea that this person thinks that their students are struggling, we don't know if they're struggling unless we ask every single one of them how they're feeling, Right? We can't know if they're struggling or not. So it doesn't actually serve a purpose to think about them as struggling to get past the hump of missing out on some of their final moments. What we can do, though, is when, it, when we're you know, in a situation with them and we notice that there's something going on, we can offer them the opportunity to tell us what's going on for them in their lives. And then what we would do is create the space for them to feel through that disappointment. There's a lot of disappointment right now. And I don't think that we can really like uh, quantify or qualify what makes someone's disappointment stronger than someone else's, right? But I think, you know, it is a very real thing for some of these students that they're not going to be able to, you know, graduate in the traditional sense, that they're not going to have a final recital, that they're not going to have a final competition. That might be disappointing for them. And that's something that we can help them process. And so when I say process, I don't mean get in with them and be like, oh my God, I know it's so horrible. Isn't it? So I'm so sad for you. Oh, it's just the worst, right? What I mean is, creating a space where they can allow that emotion without judgment, feel it through and let it pass. Life is filled with both negative and positive experiences, right? Or negative and positive emotions. The experience is negative or positive if we decide it's negative or positive. Our thought about the experience is what makes it negative or positive. And then that creates a negative or positive emotion. And disappointment is one of those emotions that like we're going to have to feel. 
And there are some negative emotions that we're willing to feel. Like discomfort is a negative feeling that I think all dancers deal with, right? We're willing to be uncomfortable when we're pushing our bodies to do something new and difficult and we know it's helping us grow and we're willing to be uncomfortable to do that, right? Arabesque, she's beautiful, but she's not comfortable, right? So, and I don't, I mean, my arabesque has never been comfortable, right? It was not comfortable when I was 20. It was not comfortable when I was 12, Um, It's certainly not comfortable now, but we're willing to go through that discomfort. And that's different. Again, if we look at our our first question, that is different from pain, right? Some things like just working your body in extreme... Um, positions, right? You're in full spinal extension and full hip extension, external rotation, all of those things happening at the same time. That can be kind of uncomfortable, right? But if it's like painful, right, we have to kind of step back, right? So kind of looking at both in both situations, like, are we willing to go through like emotional discomfort? So in this situation, it's like we create that space for them. We let them work, go through that emotion. And then we move on because it's not our job to take away their painful emotions. That's just, that's, we can't do that for anybody. The only person's emotions that we're responsible for are our own. And we don't really want to take away people's painful emotions either. Like, Experiencing negative emotions is part of the human experience. And while it sounds really beautiful to want to take that away from someone, if you were to take that away from them, then you're denying them of living fully as a human being on this planet. Our next question comes from a parent, actually, of one of my dancers. Chris, do you have any suggestions on how to prepare girls for college? Interview, auditions, how to know what direction of dance, etc. So... This is something that I think comes down to the conversation of values. So if um, you have listened to my conversation, my podcast on values, then you know that I think that our values are one of the most important things for us to get clear on so that they become the guideposts with which we make our decisions from. Yeah. And... If you can get really clear on that, then it makes all of this other stuff a lot easier, right? So interviews, if you know what you value, you know who you are, you know what's important to you, then going into an interview and answering questions from the place of what's valuable for you is not difficult, right? But if you're going into an interview or audition and you're trying to be what someone else wants you to be so you can get the audition, then you've already started off on the wrong foot. If we remember that we don't have any control over what other people think about us, right, then going into any situation where we're trying to influence the way that people think about us, we're going to walk out of it feeling really bad about ourselves. And we're going to end up feeling like we don't know what benefit there was from being in that situation. We can't ever really know what someone else's opinion of us is unless we ask them. And very often when it comes to college auditions and interviews, you're not getting the opportunity to get feedback from the people that are interviewing you or auditioning you. So putting your focus on whether or not you pleased them isn't going to help you in the slightest. So getting clear on values, getting clear on your goals, Um, What do you want to achieve? 
all of this will then help you to know what direction you want to take your dance in, right? I don't believe that there's ever a right or wrong direction for any of us to take. I believe that we make a choice, we follow that choice, and we look at the results of that choice. And then we gauge whether or not we like that result, and then we move forward with that knowledge and that understanding of the process that we went through in trying to achieve that thing. That's all we're ever doing. There is no right or wrong. What if everything was right? What if every direction was the right direction? What would you choose? If you knew that you could have exactly what you wanted, if you picked any direction, which direction would you choose? I think that's the best question to ask ourselves in any situation. That would be my advice for preparing for college interviews, auditions, um, and for knowing what direction to take for anybody, for anything, <laughs> at any point in your life. Our last question today comes from a studio owner. And the question is, why is collecting tuition and creating a profitable and sustainable dance studio so difficult? I noticed that one of the biggest complaints from myself and other studio owners is having issues with parents not paying. It seems like they don't value our service and would rather pay for other things like vacations, but claim not to be able to afford to pay for dance classes. So this is another one of those things where there's definitely like a negative inside the question. First of all, it's like, why is collecting tuition and creating profit, a profitable and sustaining dance studio so difficult? Well, if you ask yourself that question, you're going to come up with all of the reasons why it's difficult, right? And we're just going to keep making a case for why it's so difficult. So the first thing would be to change that question for ourselves, right? Or for yourselves as studio owners or in any business, right? This is, this is applicable to any business. How do I collect tuition, how do I create a sustainable and profitable business? Full stop. Like that is the question. Let your brain go to work on that question. How can I create a profitable and sustainable dance studio while having fun? How can I create a profitable and sustainable dance studio with ease? Right? So, those questions, if you ask a better question, you'll get a better answer. And I've totally said this before, right? So first of all, we have to think about the question. Second of all, there's like an assumption in here that this, the parents are not valuing the service. So if I believe that someone else is not valuing my service... If I believe that they have the capability of deciding what the value of my service is, then I am taking the responsibility off myself and I'm putting it on someone else to tell me what my value is. No one else can tell you what your value is. No one else can decide if your business is valuable, if your service is valuable. You're the only person that can tell you and decide for you whether or not your business is valuable. But the thing is, if you are operating from a belief that they don't think you're valuable or that your service is valuable, then you're going to take actions that devalue your business. So say um, a parent isn't paying and you have a belief that they don't value your service, 
you're not likely to insist that they pay or their child can no longer dance there. If you don't put a consequence on them not paying, you're the one not valuing your business. You're devaluing your own business by not making it profitable, by not taking an action that would ensure that it remains valuable. And I know that a lot of people struggle with the idea of like not wanting to affect the child. But the problem is at that point in life, the parent is responsible for the child and you're doing business with the parent. You're not doing business with the child. So you have to decide whether or not you want to value your own business and put systems into place that ensure that your service is not devalued by people not paying you. You're sending a message in that moment that your service is not valuable by allowing a child to show up whose parent refuses to pay you. That might be a controversial idea, but when we look at the structure of the way that I work and the fact that you're creating all of your results in your life, If you have a belief that someone else doesn't value you, then you're going to act in a way that devalues you. All of these questions, I think, boil down to the same thing. And I think all of life and business boil down to the same thing is that we only have control over ourselves. We only have control over our own thoughts and our own feelings and our own actions. And that's what's creating the results that we get in our life. So when we put the focus back on ourselves and we ask ourselves questions about what does it look like for me to value my business? What does it look like for me to create value in my business? What does it look like for me to create value in my class? What does it look like for me to prepare my students the best that I can knowing that I don't have control over their actions? And when we get down to asking those questions and we really take ownership over our, incom- over our complete experience, then we are the most empowered. So I hope that this has helped some of you today um, hearing me answer these questions. I'm sure there are a lot of you out there who are probably thinking and feeling a lot of the same way. I would love to hear more from you guys. So keep those questions coming. Um, you can send them to the dance coach podcast at gmail.com. And I'll do another one of these once I have a few more questions rolling in that I think um, will help everyone as much as possible. I hope you guys have a great day. Bye. If you would be so kind and you love what you're hearing on this podcast, please shoot on over to Apple Podcasts and Write me a review. Give me a five star. That would be so, so helpful. And if you yourself are looking for coaching on anything, you can reach out to me at thedancecoachpodcast at gmail.com and we can set something up.